Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. We're in the last week of our first summer series where we have been tracking through the Bible. Now, not all 66 books. I wouldn't do that to you in a nine-week period. (laughs) Some of y'all don't believe that. But we're tracking through enough to be able to highlight understanding what God's unique story to us is. So let me catch us up from the beginning. The story starts in Genesis. It's a book about beginnings, the origin of things. Now, not the beginning of God, mind you. God always was, God always is and will be. But it's the origin of how the world came into being and how God began to do His work in the world. You see, the Bible is not just information and stories, but through the course of each story, you get a picture of God Himself. So when you read the Bible, it's about who God is and His character and what He's like and what He's doing in the world. God started off this whole thing with creating the world as the Scripture unfolds in the beginning, God. And what we have is a God who is powerful, who has a plan and a purpose. And God's original design for us and for this world is important to understand so that we can better make sense of the end of the story that we'll hear more about today. How the story ends is really a recapturing, a reclaiming of what God designed all along. God creates human beings and puts them in this amazing place, which is described as a garden. Eden, it's called. A paradise where humans connected with God intimately. They knew Him. They spoke to Him without barriers. And for Adam and Eve, God created everything else for their benefit. And not only everything else, He created them for each other's benefit. Try to imagine this. Not only were there no barriers between them and God... There were no barriers between each other, no hiding, no bickering. They didn't have arguments that went nowhere, no challenges about what to wear, no challenges about what to eat, no money issues. There was really just one word to describe their relationship with God, their relationship with their environment, their relationship with each other. And that word is perfect. No sadness, no pain, no frustration. Eden was heaven on earth. If heaven is a place where all of what God wants to have happen happens, if heaven is perfection, well, Eden was heaven on earth. You know, that's what God's kingdom is all about. It's a concept that runs throughout the pages of the Bible. And when Jesus comes to earth to reconnect us to God, He teaches His followers, when you pray, you should pray that the kingdom of God should come to earth even as it already exists in heaven. Well, a kingdom is a place where the king's authority rules. And Jesus is saying, 
we pray to a God who sits on a heavenly throne and we say, God, we want your kingly reign to happen on earth just as it happens in heaven. Now, why would Jesus ask us to pray that? Why should that be our focus? Because he knows this isn't what typically happens. The perfection of heaven isn't our typical experience of life on earth. So perfection was the way it was at first, but it's certainly not that way anymore. What happened? Well, it happened at the beginning when God created this paradise and placed Adam and Eve in it. He gave them one prohibition, just one thing not to do. Everything else was permissible. And what was that one thing? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do this, you will know good and evil. You see, up to this point, all they knew was good. It's like God was telling them, but if you eat from this tree, you're going to open the door to pain, strife, discord, suffering. You're going to know evil. Evil will now have a part to play in your existence. Sure enough, Adam and Eve did the one thing that God told them not to do. It began then a whole series of events. Whereas before, the one word which would describe their relationship to everything was the word perfect, their connection with God now can only be described as distant. Their connection with each other, where once there was no arguing, no bitterness, transitioned to pointing fingers and passing blame. And their connection to the world itself is that the world will no longer operate without toil. So now there were thorns to contend with, sweat as a result. So this curse begins to happen in the world and time on earth gets marked by pain and sickness and death. You and I know that all too well because we've lived it. And we've watched people around us live the results of a fallen world where we now know both good and evil. You see, we live in the reality of paradise lost. So God does what only God could do. He comes to individuals. And He says, if you will put your trust in Me, I will begin restoring this original plan in you. Now, how do we know that God is capable of doing that? How do we know that God wants to do that? Because He sends His Son, Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus stepped off His throne in heaven and came to earth. He was God among us. And He showed He was God by the miracles He performed, giving sight to the blind, restoring someone so that they could walk when they could not before, taking a boy's lunch and feeding over 5,000 with it, even raising the dead back to life. But more than that, He showed us He was God by the ability to forgive sins, something only God could do, and Jesus did it ultimately dying on the cross in our place for our sins, and even now is constantly pursuing us through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, wanting us to be reconnected to the Father. 
I said earlier that because of the fall of humanity, the word that best describes our relationship with God now is distant. But Jesus Christ is overcoming that distance for us and has overcome it. And when you put your hand in His and let Him lead you, He begins to work in you and in effect clean you up. Now, not not cleaning you up as a condition of the relationship. Remember Romans 5, 8, in this we know God's love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not, okay, let me get my act together, let me get my life together, and then He'll pursue me. No, He already is. What that means is, look, you can do life your way, but if you do that, you're going to keep that distance between you and God, or you can let Him in. You can let Him lead. You can let Him take over. You can let Him bring you to freedom. This is a God who has not and will not give up hope in this world, who has not and will not give up hope on you, on your marriage, on your job, whatever it is. And even though this world has its agenda, God's agenda is still running. And so before you and me is a choice. In Jesus Christ, God provides a way to reconnect with Him. Now, He never promises to exempt us from pain and suffering. Pain and suffering still occur. But you reconnect with your Heavenly Father so that in the middle of your reality, there's something bigger. There's something bigger than your pain. There's something bigger than your dissatisfaction. There's something bigger than your divorce. There's something bigger than bitterness and unforgiveness. There's something bigger than your challenge, your sickness, your disease. There's something bigger than even death itself. So God says, receive my gift of Jesus. Let my Holy Spirit move in you and begin to work in you. And so all throughout human history and all throughout the Bible, these two pathways have been running, God's agenda and the world's agenda. We're going to talk more about this next week as we start a a three-week series on prayer using John 17, Jesus' own prayer as our guide. But Jesus was talking about this one day, and you heard Kerry read it. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, this path leads to life. This path leads to death. And the one that leads to life is narrow, and it's tough, and there's a challenge about it because it's going to run counter to everything around you. You can, to a real degree, re-engage God's original design. You can be a part of God's agenda, what He's doing in this world. Or you can walk your own path. You may say, well, I I can't start. I I don't know how to start going in a different direction. I, I feel so far away. Well, that's what grace is all about. It's the unearned, unmerited favor of God that is simply received by faith, freely given. 
It can't be earned. It can't be bought. Jesus has already done everything necessary to restore your walk with Him. So let's bring this full circle from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, it's the full circle God is going to bring in this world. Revelation, of course, is the last book of the Bible and basically gives an overview of where everything's going. So how does the story conclude? What's the resolution? Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. The way the created order now exists is going to radically change. Newness is going to come to everything, and that newness is going to look an awful lot like the original plan. The Apostle John, who records this vision that God is giving him, says, There's no longer any sea. One of the things that can remind us of is in the Genesis story, remember in the creation, the sea separated the land. Well, in this place, the land is going to come back together. In other words, all the distance that now exists between human beings is going to be removed. We're going to be together unified in God's glorious kingdom where there are no more designations of race or socioeconomic standing or political party. John continues, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Jerusalem has long been held as a holy city. But the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven, where God's rule and reign are supreme. And and notice this. Originally, the plan was a garden made for two people. But now the plan has grown to such proportion, it's no longer a garden. It's a perfected city full of people. All the people who are on board with God's agenda. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. In Eden, God came down in the cool of the day to talk to His people. After Adam and Eve sinned and the world fell, the best that people could hope for was that God would speak audibly, that they could have an audible voice. But then that was only to select people at particular times. But with the birth of Jesus, we were given a glimpse of God's fullness with us. What we have to look forward to is our Heavenly Father living among us, dwelling with us. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older, old order of things have passed away. You will no longer sit in front of a TV news report thinking, 
it shouldn't be this way. No one close to you will ever experience pain again. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. Sounds pretty similar to it is finished, doesn't it? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. What is God up to? Calling people into His kingdom. And if we were to read one more chapter, the last chapter In the entire Bible, if we were to read Revelation chapter 22, one thing becomes clear. Revelation says that in this new city, there is no longer a temple. There's no need for the church. The church will be gone because right now is the in-between time, and God uses the church to expose people to His plan and for Him to work through them and in them. But there will be a day when this place is no longer needed. Until then, until that day that God brings it all together and and, and in all of its fullness, our job is to keep this church going and growing to expose more people to God. Our job is people meeting Jesus so that He can change lives and change eternities. One final thought. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 begins, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That's good news. It means you don't have to wait for some future event for God to begin working in you. It's now. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Maybe you need to take that to heart. Maybe you need to know you're a new creation. And this is a new day. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.